Now that the consumer wants plant-based, the manufacturers are rushing to bring all kinds of products, regardless of how healthy they are, or regardless what kind of burden they become for the environment. But the next phase, when the market is filled with all kinds of choices for consumers, then the consumers are starting to become more critical and look close, closely at the nutritional content. How nutritious is this product really for me? And next, what kind of burden is it for the environment? Uh, and how does this manufacturer actually make these products? The co-founder of Hulsa Foods, Helena Lume, who you heard there, plans to be ready for this next generation consumer. Answering and solving for environmental and health concerns are at the heart of the brand and her mission to bring dairy farmers into the plant-based world with oats. Today on Fodder, she and I talk about that vision and how the plant-based foods movement needs to come clean. I'm Christine Kaberman, and this is Fodder, the podcast offering food for thought for natural products industry professionals. Fodder is brought to you by New Hope Network's Escabona platform and is underwritten by 301 Inc., the Giannuzzi Group, Healthy Lifestyle Brands, Morningstar Farms, Stonyfield Organic, Unilever, and Whipstitch Capital. Oats have been the rock star ingredient in the natural products industry recently. Uh, but Helena, you started down this path creating oat milk-based yogurt, what was it, five, five years ago or so? How did this product come to be for you and oats in particular? Well, uh, me and my husband, Mika Manninen, we co-found, we, we work hand in hand. And uh, 10 years ago, we were the first to import the first oat milks into the United States. And um, we rebranded a European brand and brought the first oat milks. And uh, we were on the market for 18 months, after which the manufacturer in Europe sold the company. But... What we got it, we got to know exactly how the oat milks are made. And uh, during that process, we thought, because, because the process of how you make oat milks is not very healthy. Oats in themselves are extremely healthy grain. They have a lot of nutritional benefits. But during that process, during the oat milk process, the vital nutrients are lost. So the end product is not that healthy at all. So w- uh, during that time, we thought, hmm, there's got to be a better way. So we uh, went, went to work. We took some of the most brilliant oat wizards, as, as we call them, people in Scandinavia, scientists, food scientists who have studied oats their whole life and said that we have to make an oat milk product that is 100% clean, doesn't have a single artificial ingredient, but more than that, the process itself of making the oat milk has to be 100% clean. So we start with whole grain oats and we end with whole grain oats. Nothing artificial is added, nothing natural is taken out. So that was a challenge for all of us because we used to, you know, use uh, gel and gums and uh, carrageenan, different kind of phosphates. But we said, no, no, we can't use anything. This is a challenge for all of us. Let's find a way to do this the right way. 
So it took us a, about four years to get there. And so after, after we uh, finalized the invention, then we had uh, several different recipes. And the first recipe that we started out with was a organic oat milk yogurt. So we fer- fermented the oat milk so that we, we get all those healthy, gut-loving billions of bifidus and lactobacillus bacteria probiotics. So, so we, we made a healthy product even more healthy by adding the probiotics. So we've been on a market now for one year, a little over a year in the U.S. with, with first the drinkable oat milk yogurts and now the spoonable, the little cups that we have. So, so that's the story how we came about. But uh, if I can tell a little bit about Helsa and uh, what's behind the company is that Helsa is Swedish for health. Yes. And, and we stand for healthier people and healthier planet. So not only healthier people because of the 100% clean products that we have, but also for us from the very beginning, it was important that the footprint, the environmental footprint is the smallest possible, starting from the oats that are grown with zero water footprint. Our farmers in Scandinavia don't use a single drop of water to grow their oats, which was very important to us. And uh, second, when we manufacture with this new technology that we have, it uses the least amount of fossil fuels and the least amount of electricity and leaves the smallest possible environmental footprint. So that's very important to us because if you think about um, the plant-based market started because one reason for it was that we want to consume less animal-based products to, to care for our environment and to care for our planet. But At the same time, we have to be mindful not to create new kinds of environmental problems. For example, the almond milk boom, the almond orchards in California use 10% of California's fresh water. So it's not sustainable. So we have to find as we go along and and bring more and more plant-based products to the market, we have to find a way to do that in an environmentally sound way and not not burden the planet, not create a new problem with with our plant-based products. Right, and so when we were looking at those Scandinavian oats and making these decisions, was it primarily the water decision or were there other things about Scandinavian oats that you weren't able to be finding in, in American oats? Yeah, we weren't able to find exactly the quality that we require because Scandinavia has a long history with growing oats and uh, they have the small family farms that grow oats and they can be dried right away because they have the drying silo right next to the farm. And with the large industrial farms in the United States and Canada, the drying process is usually delayed which, which can cause uh, the oats go rancid or getting moldy or something else. And, and that affects the quality and the taste and just about everything. And also in the United States, about 75% of all the conventional oats are grown have glyphosate 
traces of glyphosate on them. And that's very important to us that because we want to have a hundred percent clean product. We don't have it. We don't want to have any herbicides or any traces of those in our oats. So that's why we are currently importing, importing our oats, whole grain oats from Scandinavia. That's interesting. It's a good point because even as this regional grain economy is slowly coming together, oats might not have been a part of that or been able to keep up. Um, is this a part of that regional grain economy that you see we need, or is, it, is oats something very specifically different? Well, uh, oats, uh, the reason we love oats so much and, and base all our products on oats is that they can be grown locally. Because mm-hmm. with plant-based foods, foods, often we go for ingredients that need to be imported from Indonesia, like the coconuts or we find some exotic <laughs> berry or grain from South America or Africa, and then we bring it to the United States. And we don't think about uh, the environmental, what, what we do for the environment when we bring these huge containers, and they're often temperature-controlled containers from the other side of the world. We bring them to U.S. just to get, you know, a small can of coconut water or something. So we have to think of the environmental impact of, of what we do. And that's why we love oats so much because they can they are very resilient grain. They can be grown just about anywhere in the world. They don't need much water. They don't need uh, much herbicides or they don't or, or or chemical fertilizers. They grow just about everywhere. So that's that's why we found our, our companies founded on oats. Great. And so you have a, your facility is actually in upstate New York where you're, you're processing now and uh, packaging. Is that correct? Yes. And so you have been importing these oats, but recently you decided as a company to uh, engage in, and I'm not sure if I'm using the correct word, but converting uh, dairy farmers into organic oat farmers. Can you talk about what this project is that you've embarked on? Yeah, because we thought, you know, if there's a way that we can source locally in the United States, we'd be more than happy to do that because that would uh, save the one part of us bringing containers of organic oats from Scandinavia, we could source locally. And as we all know, the dairy farmers, the U.S. dairy farmers have been struggling because dairy consumption has gone down. So we thought, hmm, uh, a lot of the organic dairy farmers already grow organic uh, alfalfa or some organic. They may even grow organic oats, but just to feed the cattle. So why not try to try to help them at the same time that we are helping ourselves and bring them the, the knowledge that we have in Scandinavia of growing premium oats. So, so we asked around and uh, we found uh, a great pilot farm in upstate New York, uh, a young farming couple that has been making, that's making organic milk at the moment and has about 200 cows. But they, they were able to sort of see the future and understand what we're doing. 
and they were willing to sign on as a pilot farm where we start uh, start growing organic oats, the Scandinavian-style organic oats this spring. So that's the first farm. But at the same time, when we were looking for farms, we got a lot, lot more inquiries to be part of this program as well. So we're happy to say that we're going to spread spread the knowledge and, and uh, have all other farmers join as well um, to be our contract farmers. So in the future, we can we can source source locally, which which uh, was our goal from the beginning. Sure. So do you think you'll be able to find that American supply this year or how long of a project do you think it is to bring it all stateside? Well, we we test this year. We try a few different varieties of oats just to see how they grow because uh, a lot of things are the same way. For example, the climate in upstate New York, it rains a lot. and uh, But then things like daylight are different. And so, so at this stage, it's an experiment. And as we go along, we keep a journal and we take videos of every part of it so that once we've gone through this experience and we hope to have hope to ha- harvest in the fall to have our first crop of uh, of premium oats grown in the United States but along with that we keep we we sort of we're making a guidebook so that we know exactly every step that we did how did this affect and how did this variety do in this particular climate and in this particular soil so, so we hope to gather as much information as possible so that we can share it in the future. That's right. Innovating ag or in the agricultural space isn't as easy as seed in the ground all the time, is it? No, no. There's so many different varieties that that impact uh, what we're gonna get in the end, and you know how how what the soil is to begin with, and and so forth. And uh, when when it's organic. It also adds adds its own difficulties because you cannot use well, the chemical fertilizers and and things like that. So so the experiment is very organic, but we work hand in hand with uh, with Scandinavian food scientists who have studied this their whole lives. So and who know exactly how oats are grown. And we have sixty different varieties of oats wow. in Scandinavia. So. So there are different varieties to choose from. Right. You know, when you do research on oats, they sure sound like the wonder crop, uh, not just for what they give to humans, but what they give back to the earth. So it's a great effort. The Organic Trade Association, though, they've said there are challenges about for getting more organic oats to the market because there's transition cost and there's guaranteed market, which it looks like you're helping to solve for. And then just that technical assistance, which also sounds like you're going out kind of solving those problems from the very beginning. Yeah, when we thought, because we we are able to grow very high quality organic oats in Scandinavia and have been able to do that for decades, then why, why shouldn't we transport and or share the information for with North American family farmers as well? And and you know who knows? We hope to Helsa hopes to become global, so we can share with share the same 
knowledge with farmers globally as well, because Europe is suffering from this from the exact same dairy slump as is uh, North America. So they are in, in exact same situation there. Sure, that's interesting. So this really, and this project for you, it's not about replacing cows, so to speak, but building symbiotic systems, farm diversity, business diversification. Is that true? Yeah, absolutely. And if you think about it, everybody who is in food business, uh, we, we, we know it's cyclical changes. Whatever consumer wants at any given moment, that's what sells. And, you know, it's, we're all, we, we're all in the same business. And if we, if we can help, you know, who knows what happens in 10 years, maybe plant-based doesn't sell anymore. And all of a sudden milk is back. Who knows? So these are cyclical changes and uh, we just have to adapt to them and try to find ways to make everybody in the food business uh, to have the ability to make a living. Well, sure. And, and you had to adapt yourself from early on. Absolutely. Absolutely. We all have to do that and we have to do constantly. And the U.S. consumers is changing their minds so fast rapid, right at, at this moment and and that's one point I wanted to bring up that when we thought about HELSA, HELSA foods and what kind of products we want to bring to the market, we thought, well, the first phase of everything is always that everybody rushes to bring just about anything to the market. So, so now that the consumer wants plant-based, the manufacturers are rushing to bring all kinds of products regardless of how healthy they are or regardless what kind of burden they become for the environment. But the next phase, when the market is filled with all kinds of choices for consumers, then the consumers are starting to become more critical and look closely at the nutritional content. How nutritious is this product really for me? And next, what kind of burden is it for the environment? Uh, and how does this manufacturer actually make these products? So we thought, you know, we make, we're going to make Kelsa for that next phase when consumers are becoming more critical because that, that phase will soon, soon <laughs> be here and we all need to have healthier products. Sort of the same thing that happened with gluten-free products first when gluten-free came to the market the first product were really bad tasting and you had gluten-free bread it tasted like cardboard but but when people when more products came to the market and consumers grew more knowledgeable about gluten-free then then uh, the offering they changed and and now gluten-free products are healthy both healthy and delicious yeah, that's an interesting parallel. We often debate around the office, are we at the point where consumers are truly looking enough at the environmental impact when they're making their food purchases? Would you say we've reached phase three or phase three is going to be coming along in the next year? Where are we at? Well, we are seeing among our customers who like HealthSan, who are our fans, the environmental questions are, are they're coming but they're not yet mainstream i see there's about 
you know, 18 to 24 months before those environmental matters become mainstream concerns. But certainly the early adopters are already there. Sure, sure. We're always, always uh, all along the spectrum, right, in the customers yeah. we're serving, depending on what markets we're going through. So you all are still quite small and, and, and taking on this this mission, not just to be making a finished product, but to be affecting farming. How are you doing that? Why stick to that? Why, why invest in that? Well, we, we think it's the future because if you think of natural food companies, the usual trajectory is that you come up with the one great product, you make it a big hit, and then you wait for, for uh, you know, uh, anybody from big food or private equity to buy you. But it's also there's also a lot of stories that don't don't have a happy ending. So we thought if we think about us, ourselves as a natural food company, we cannot be so narrowly thinking that we just think of ourselves as as a maker of one one specific product or one category. What if what if that category isn't popular tomorrow? What happens to our company then? So we designed this company to offer more, anything from supply to manufacturing, because like I told you, the manufacturing, we can do it at any existing dairy facility. We don't need to build big uh, factories to make our product and buy expensive equipment or or re even we don't even re need to retool any any dairy facilities because our product fits fits right in wherever you go so we instead of just building one product we built the whole chain that uh that helsa what helsa can offer and we feel that as the consumer is growing more critical, they are also looking at the whole chain, not only the end product that they see on the shelf. Sure. And so, and you're diversifying not just by products on the front end, but the whole along the whole supply. And that's a, a great way to build, hopefully, a sustainable business. Yeah, I, we, we feel that that's important and that's, that's some of the criteria consumers are going to look for tomorrow, if not if not today, then tomorrow. Right. I didn't think about this earlier, but as you were talking, then when we do look at ultimately processing, making yogurt, would you see that growing up in a regional way as well, not just always in upstate New York? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, we, okay. we definitely hope to grow and, and become nationwide and... Uh, but uh, the reason that we have the yogurt is that, uh, of course, yogurt is fresh product. It's ha it has a certain shelf life. So it's, it's not an aseptic product that, that stays good def indefinitely. So if we, if we want to expand, we probably have to look for co-packers elsewhere that, uh, that uh, because we want to we want to have a fresh product and we don't have any preservatives or or any artificial ingredients so we want to keep it that way and i think i think consumers also appreciate that 
Yes, fresh, fresh certainly has been the area of growth and focus in so many ways in recent years. So you, you've been working with the, on the dairy farm side, uh, but it's interesting, you've also gotten some early investment from Dairyman, Gary Hirschberg, an Orgain's founder, and you were or are a part of, I'm not sure how that works, the Danone Manifesto Ventures. I'm curious how you went over all these dairy powerhouses and what they're bringing to the table for you. Well, they uh, both both of those investors saw something interesting in our innovation, something something uh, that will be the future trend, and uh, they wanted to get into it early on, and that's that's one of the things that happens these days with investors. It used to be that you have to show. 2 million of sales, 5 million of sales, 10 million of sales, whatever. But these days, investors are understanding that uh, that companies like ours need help from the beginning. So we, we've been very fortunate to sort of get the dream team, the yogurt dream team, Danone, and then Gary Hersberg, who's, who's Mr. Organic Yogurt. So... So we feel that we are in great hands and have a lot of wonderful help on our journey, and we are, we are very grateful to have them. While we thought our conversation might end here, we continue chatting about health, the changing consumer, and even defining natural. So here's a little more from Helena. Because oat milks are a huge thing right now yes. and have grown very fast. Just to tell the consumers that the way that the oat milks are made on the market are not that healthy, healthy product. So for the consumers to really carefully read the ingredient list. And one thing that consumers might not know is that with oat milks, the ingredient list that can be read on the label is just one part of, of how healthy the product is because the secret with plant-based milks is in the process. And as consumers are growing more critical about how their plant-based foods are made, my wish is that they would question the manufacturers more and ask about exactly, you know, I have oats here. How do you turn something solid into something liquid? Because when once consumers start to ask these questions, they find out that Along the way of turning something solid into liquid, you have to use a lot of chemicals, a lot of processes that are not that healthy for you. But of course, the process itself doesn't have to be disclosed on the label. So the only thing that consumers are seeing is the ingredient list, but they are kept in the dark about the process itself. So that's that's one thing I wanted consumers to think about and to ask manufacturers, you know, tell tell me honestly, how are you making making this beverage? And what do we do as an industry or to I guess hold better standards among our peers on that front? That's one thing health of food is trying to do, <laughs> but we are we're still small, but we're trying to do that and and uh trying to spread uh, the information about why 100% clean foods is the only way to go. Because one thing consumers may not know is that when you have artificial ingredients, 
like gel on gums, sand on gums, or, or processed sugar, or any artificial ingredient, they kill the good bacteria in the gut. So if you buy a yogurt that has a lot of processed sugar, a lot of artificial ingredients, it's sort of counterproductive because you're eating yogurt to get that good bacteria and the probiotics into your gut. But at the same time, when you have all these artificial ingredients, you know, that, that kill the good bacteria, the end result is not what you wish for. So that's why, that's one reason consumers should look really carefully on the label and on the ingredients and, and look at how many artificial ingredients are there. Yeah, so plant-based is not enough. Oh, by no means. By no means, not enough. And uh, that's just the beginning. And I feel we are in the beginning of a huge plant-based boom. But the next phase is is the one where consumers is going to consumers are going to become more critical, going to look more closely on the label and going to ask questions from the manufacturer. Tell me how exactly is, is my plant-based milk made? Yeah. Or our analog meat, right? That that's what's getting all the attention. That's the whole other thing. That's that the, the alternative meats. Exactly. They are sort of, First, when they came to the market, they were giving a free pass. Mm-hmm. But I think we're at the point now where when they no longer have the free pass, they have to have to explain how how the, how this alternative alternative meat is made. Consumers demand they want to know and they should they should demand. Right. And so I know that that's a big, important part of your all's story. How is it that you're sharing that with, with consumers? Is it on the package real easily? Is it the old QR code? How does that story get presented? That's, that's the challenging part for us. How do you educate consumers about a different way, about what differentiates your product from the other product? Because the label, if you have a small yogurt cup, there's really not much, not much space nope. to tell your story, and uh, we're trying to do it through every 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 product we have out there says hundred percent clean, and we're trying to educate with those two little words. We're trying to educate the consumer to to tell the difference, and also our website healthsoffoods.com tells the story why we are 100% clean and but but you're absolutely right that is the challenge big challenge because as a small company we don't have money to advertise or take take out tv commercials or 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 ad campaigns so we have to do what we can do Fodder is a production of New Hope Network, found on the interwebs at newhope.com. Thanks again to our underwriters, 301 Inc., the Giannuzzi Group, Healthy Lifestyle Brands, Morningstar Farms, Unilever, Whipstitch Capital, and Stonyfield Organic. Stonyfield was founded out of a nonprofit organic farming school in 1983 when its co-founders realized that a successful organic company could make a bigger difference for family farms, people, and the planet than the school could. 
today, Stonyfield's organic ingredient purchases supporting network of food producers made up of hundreds of organic family farms, thousands of organic cows, and more than 200,000 organic acres. The thought and passion that started Stonyfield in the first place has only grown stronger, and it has never stopped working for healthy food, healthy people, and a healthy planet. Principles the company summarizes today as good on purpose.